Welcome to Gateway's Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from one of our pastors. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Amen. Well, last week we were able to introduce Joseph Daniel as our new administrative pastor, and we showed a picture of his family up on the screen because they weren't quite here yet from Arkansas. And today, this morning, they are here. His wife, Amy, and their kids are here all the way from Arkansas. And so we're so glad to welcome the Daniel family. Let's give them a big, warm gateway welcome. Amy, we're really excited that you're here, but there's no one more excited to have you here than Joseph. He was missing you guys for sure. And uh, we're thankful for you guys and what God's going to do in your ministry here at Gateway. Yeah, I just got back a couple of weeks ago from a mission trip to Honduras where I partnered with my mom who was on the team and a mission organization called Simple Matters from North Carolina. It was an awesome experience to go and serve the people of Honduras because before my dad died, that was a big part of his life. My dad would go to Honduras every year and serve with the same organization, and eventually he became a part of the board of the ministry, and it was just his heart to go every single summer and use a week of his time to partner with a local church there. It was amazing because they partnered every year with the same church in the same community with the same pastor, and so when I got to Honduras, the people already knew who my dad was. They already knew who I was just from uh, that past experience of partnering with him. It was really neat because I got to see while I was there a little memorial garden that the church in Naranjal that we worked with built just to honor my dad and his service to the people of Honduras, which was such a privilege for me. All week long, uh, we served alongside of the people of Honduras and the local church that we partnered with to provide medical care for people who lived in underserved rural communities. So we would set up a medical clinic, and we had three doctors, two of which were from Honduras, and then one who we brought with our team, and they would see patients every single day, and they would uh, write prescriptions, and then our team would fill the prescriptions, and it was really neat. My job was to take blood pressure, which I did you know, for the first time, and learn how to do that, and so I learned also some Spanish in the process, so uh, tu presión esta alta, which means your pressure is high. Uh, so I got to know a little bit of a Spanish, and it was, it was amazing to serve and just be a small part of what God was doing, because as the folks were waiting for medicine and their prescriptions to be filled, we got to work with a translator and give them a Bible, uh, pray with them, share the gospel with those that were wanting to hear it and desiring to hear it. It was just an incredible opportunity uh, for me. I would encourage you, if you ever get the chance To go on a short-term mission trip, do it. Go. It's an incredible blessing and privilege to serve. But what's funny is not everybody feels that way. In fact, there was someone that mentioned on our team that a few years prior, there was a man who came as part of a mission team, and uh, at the end of the experience, he was sort of debriefing, and he goes, you know what? If we would just save our money from the flights and from the food and the money we paid for lodging, we could just send the money down here and have you know, someone do all the work that we were doing for ministry. We could just take that money and pile it all together, and then we could pay someone to do the work that we're doing. But he was missing something. I'm going to share with you what he was missing in just one second. When I arrived at the church we were working with, I noticed that there was a driver waiting uh, right there who was going to take us around all week, and 
He couldn't speak much English, but we just kind of connected, just even despite the language barrier. And I saw him with a West Virginia hat on, which was kind of strange for Honduras. And that was a personal connection to me because my dad and mom both went to West Virginia University. So I see him and I kind of point to the hat and I was like, nice hat. And he really didn't understand me at all. He just sort of uh, smiled. I said, that might be for my dad, maybe. And still didn't quite get what I was saying. And so we partnered together all week long. And it was such, it was just such a joy to partner together because even despite the language barrier, we connected. Like I would just watch him serve and he was always smiling. He was always um, selfless with Uh, his time and what he would do for people just that went beyond and went the extra mile. And by the end of the week, I feel like we really bonded together. And so the week was ending. And at the end of the week, he walks up to me and he takes this hat and he comes to me and grabs a translator so that we can talk to each other. And he says, you know what? Says, this is not much. It's used, but I want you to have this as a gift for serving with us this week and for partnering with us in the ministry. So he hands me this hat, which belonged to my dad, who served in Honduras with his life. What a special gift it was. See, what this guy who talked about short-term missions missed out on was this. He missed out on the joy of partnership. The joy of partnership. And you know, When I'm kind of thinking, when I think about the American church, when I think about sort of our love for being an individual, our love for independence, our love for self-sufficiency, I kind of think, have we forgotten the joy that comes from partnership? That's why today I want us to open our Bibles to Philippians chapter one. If you got your Bible with you, open it up to Philippians chapter one. We're just gonna go and start in verse three. We're going to walk through a few verses together. I'm going to read it all in just a second, and then we're going to go verse by verse. But here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to hear as we read this passage. I want you to listen for the joy of partnership. Starting in verse three, Paul says, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it's right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I deeply miss you all with the affection of Christ Jesus." Now, just to let you know, Paul is writing this letter from prison in Rome, but it doesn't sound like a letter that I would write from prison. If it were me writing this letter, I'd be like, you know what? Can you please send help? I'm stuck in this prison. I'm eating unsalted grits with no butter every day for breakfast. Uh, I'm suffering. Would you write your local politician? Would you, would you pray for me? Like I am suffering here. Would you help me? But that's not Paul's attitude at all. As you read this passage, all I see is joy. Every word is filled with the joy of Christ. Every word is filled with the joy uh, that he finds in the Philippian church. And we talk a lot about finding joy in church, in Christ, as we should. 
Because joy in Christ is the foundation upon we find contentment and joy in every single one of our circumstances. But what we don't talk a lot about, and something that the Holy Spirit has been impressing on me, is the joy that comes from being united with God's people. The joy that comes from being united to the people of Christ in his church. The joy that comes from partnering and participating in a local church. The joy of being connected to and sharing life together with the people of God. What I hear a lot of, though, is, man, I don't know. I love Jesus, but I'm not sure about his people. Or, man, you know what? I, I, what happens between me and the Lord is between me and the Lord, and I don't need anyone else involved in it because it's personal. Or, or sometimes I hear, you know, there's not enough time to get plugged in, and I just don't feel connected to anyone when I come. Or sometimes I just hear, you know what, Bart? I have a lot of ch- church hurt. And I can understand. I can relate. I, there have been many times where I felt the same way. Because we are sinful people connected to other sinful people, whenever people are involved, it's messy. It's messy. Uh, But just because you've had a bad meal doesn't mean you stop eating. Just because you don't have any time doesn't mean you don't pause and find time to eat. When we neglect our connection to the local church and its people, we miss out on a lot of joy and blessing. So what does it look like? What does it look like to be a person of joy connected to a people of joy in the local church? Well, Paul gives us some help. Look at verses three through five. He says, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. In other words, every time I think about the memories we shared together when I planted this church, every time I think about you, I thank God for you. Always praying for joy for all of you in my every prayer. And listen to what he says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, I want you to underline or highlight in your Bible partnership in the gospel. That's the key phrase in this entire passage. Gospel partnership implies this wonderful linking of lives with other flesh and blood human beings for the sake of the gospel. And what happens is when we link up together, when we find our joy in Christ, and then we link up with other people of joy, it produces in us this amazing joy in our own life. So what does gospel partnership look like then? Well, first, you have had to receive the gospel. You have had to have received the gospel. Have you received the gospel this morning? Have you believed it? Have you confessed your sin, admitted your need for a savior and trusted that Christ lived a perfect life and took the punishment that you deserved for your sin on the cross so that you can be forgiven and brought back into relationship with God? Has being in Christ transformed you your values, your loves, the way you feel about people, the way you worship him. Because being in the gospel is just not just being a part of a church or showing up to an event. Has Christ transformed your life? Are you a new creation in him? See, showing up to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than being a garage makes you a car. Satan and his demons know exactly who Jesus is. They know exactly who he is, but they haven't responded appropriately to that message. They haven't surrendered their life to him in trust. Some of you this morning, you're checking the box of church. You're checking the box of good deeds, but that's not what saves us. It's Christ's finished work on the cross. 
and us receiving that through faith into our life. So maybe it's time this morning to stop checking the box and to trust in him. Because to be connected, to be a partner in the gospel means to have received Christ. It also means you're a connected body, part of the body of Christ. To be a gospel partner means you're a connected part of the body of Christ. When, when Paul says partnership, he uses the Greek word koinonia. Now, I've made a deal with myself. I get one Greek word every time I preach. So here it is, because I can nerd out over this stuff. The word is koinonia, and it's mostly translated fellowship or participation or partnership. We use it a lot for you know, the word fellowship. We translate it a lot that, uh, this way. And for us, we equate the word fellowship with just simply Christian friendship. So if you invite a neighbor who doesn't know Christ to come to your house and eat chicken wings and watch a football game, that's friendship. But if you invite someone from church who knows Jesus to come over to your house, eat chicken wings, and watch football, then that is fellowship. That is koinonia. But is that really? Is that really what it is? Is that really what Paul means? We need to have an elevated view of what fellowship really looks like. Because for us, we just think it's eating together, but it's so much more than that. By the way, both of these things are good. Both of these friendships are great. Both of these can bring encouragement. But if we believe fellowship is just Christian friendship, well, then that doesn't make church anything more than just a social club. We have to elevate our view of what fellowship looks like. What makes the church different than a social club or an interest group is simply this that we're not united by common interests like hobbies or culture or politics or a sports team or anything like that. Those relationships naturally come and go and ebb and flow with our interests or with our stage of life. There's nothing wrong with these friendships. I have some great friends in my hunt club and based on other interests. In fact, some of you might say this morning, I actually feel more connected to those friendships than I do with friendships here at the church. But as the body of Christ, we are purposely united together in Jesus. And despite any differences we have, whether it be interests or politics or sports or culture, anything that could possibly separate us can't because we are one in the fact that we're all sinners saved by grace. And we are not just friends. What does the Bible call us? It calls us brothers and sisters. And that's more than just friendship. Brothers and sisters don't ghost each other when we disagree or when we have difficulty and conflict. Brothers and sisters love each other even when the other person has nothing to offer in return. Uh, brothers and sisters love one another like family, not like friends. It's a higher calling than a friend. It's family. It's partnership. So God has called the people of Gateway to partner together whether we know each other really well as a friend or whether we just met this morning to share our lives together, to serve one another and to care for one another with the love of Jesus. Let me ask you this. I heard Pastor Joby Martin say this as I was listening to his sermon on the same chapter. Do you have a band of brothers or just buddies? You have a band of brothers or just buddies? Because buddies are good, but let me tell you what you need more than a buddy this morning. You need men or women that you can link arms with, that will encourage you in your walk with Christ. You need people who are sold out for the same mission and purpose of their lives around you. 
You need people who are willing to have difficult conversations with you in love and in grace to lead you to Jesus. We need this band of brothers connected to the body of Christ who are going to encourage us, not with sentimental love, but a love filled with knowledge and discernment. Other friendships, they have plenty to offer. They have plenty to offer as far as encouragement, as far as happiness, the opportunity to share the gospel, but don't neglect this kind of connection to the body of Christ. Uh, If you're like me, you hate group projects, so I'm going to use this other symbol. Being a Christian is a team sport. 1 Corinthians 12 says we are a part of the body of Christ, that we're connected to each other with Christ as the head. Now, I want you to imagine this for just a second. Imagine you just happened to stumble as you were walking on the ground, and you found yourself looking at a thumb lying on the ground. Now, I know this is kind of graphic and startling this morning. Why is it so startling? Because it doesn't belong there. When you look and see a severed thumb on the ground, you're thinking, oh my gosh, what horrible thing has happened to, to make this take place? And, and you've got this urgency in you. We've got to figure out where this thumb belongs and who it belongs to, because there's a guy with nine fingers out there, and he's struggling. This is like the worst day of his life. And so you've got this urgency to reconnect it to the body. Why? Because if, you, if this thumb were to remain disconnected from the body, what's going to happen? It's going to shrivel up, it's going to stink, and it's going to die. Why? Because it's not connected to the body. Christians, are we surprised when we disconnect ourselves from the body of Christ that we shrivel up in our passion and love for the Lord? We isolate ourselves and we immediately start to atrophy spiritually. Because when we're connected to the body, when we're connected to one another and Christ is the head, there's life. There's life. This all sounds good, right? If it weren't for people. If it weren't for people, it'd be easy. So we need some help, right? Because how can we grasp this kind of love for one another when people often let us down? Even the people who proclaim Jesus don't always live up to our expectations. They fail, and they will. Well, Paul gives us some encouragement in Philippians chapter 1. Look at verse 6. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it's right for me to think this way about all of you, because I have you in my heart, and you are all partners with me in grace. Paul helps us to know how to navigate these relational challenges that we face by reminding us that as believers, if we are united with Christ, then we're all a part of the process. We're all a part of a process. We're not there yet. We're not to the finish line where we're perfect. We won't be until that day that we see Jesus face to face and he completes the work he started. All of us in this room are in process somewhere. So that should give us patience with people. That should give us patience with one another, knowing, look, our kids, you know, they're in the process. They're not done yet. Our coworkers that we've been praying for, They're not done yet. They're in process. Our our people that we share lives with in this room, our people in our life group or wherever we connect to, they're all in process. They're all at a different part. I wish I could spend longer on this. We have to keep moving, but this should give us great patience in people, but also great confidence and trust in God. For all of our friends, for all of our kids, for all of our brothers and sisters in Christ that we pray for every day. 
Know also that we are all, as Paul calls, partners in grace. Now, this is going to shock you. It's going to shock you, but no one in this room is perfect. No one in this room has it all together. We are all, as Paul says, partners in God's grace. In, in other words, we're all just here getting to participate in this amazing gospel because of the grace of Jesus. None of us are perfect, but one of Satan's best strategies to isolate you from the body of Christ is to make you think that you're the only one struggling with whatever it is you're facing this morning. That's one of his best tactics to remove you from the body of Christ, to make you think you've got to be the only one struggling with this in this room, but you're not. As soon as you connect to the body of Christ, as soon as you hear the stories that are represented in this room, you will be encouraged to know that every single one of us has a struggle. Every single one of us has stuff that's messed up in our lives that we just need God's grace to be sufficient enough for us to, to glorify him in the middle of it. Every one of us has struggled to glorify him in our lives, but we've been rescued by the work of Jesus and we don't have it all together. We're just all in the process. We're all in the process. So don't let that prevent you from connecting to the body of Christ. So we've talked about what partnership means, this idea of gospel partnership. It means one, you have to have received the gospel. It means Number two, that you're a connected part of the body of Christ. And then here's what I want you to see. Number three, you are a participant in his mission. You're a participant in the mission. Verse seven, Paul says, indeed, it's right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart. You are all partners with me in grace. And then listen to what he says, both in my imprisonment, which means you didn't abandon me when, abandon me when circumstances got tough or Things weren't working out. And then he says, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Paul's joy and heartfelt love for the Philippian church stems from their partnership with him in the gospel. And we talked about what that means, but don't forget that it also stems from them being a partner in the mission. The verse says they are partners in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. They're active participants in the mission. Maybe one person that Paul is thinking of when he's writing this is Lydia. Uh, it's recorded in Acts chapter 16 that one of the first converts of Paul's missionary journey to the Philippian church is Lydia, who uh, Acts 16 describes as the seller of purple dye and garments. So Luke writes that she had this license to sell uh, purple fabric, which was the most coveted, most expensive fabric. It took 8,000 shellfish to produce one gram of purple dye. And so if you wore purple, you were in. You were wealthy. You were, had status. I mean, the emperor would wear purple clothes. Uh, people in the Roman Senate would wear white linens that were outlined in purple. People would put splashes of, of purple on their scarves or on their, their garments just to show and reflect their wealth. So here is this businesswoman, this entrepreneur, this fashionista who uh, is, you know, on the, one of the main interstates to Rome in Philippi. And she knows that, you know what, after all these things, even though I've got all this that I need, I'm still missing something in life. And so there's no synagogue in Philippi. So she's praying every Sabbath day. She's walking to the river and praying with a group of women. And Paul walks in and he meets these women, and it says that he, he shared the gospel with them, and she opened her heart to the Lord. In other words, she received the gospel on that day. Her life was changed and transformed in that moment. 
And then as you fast forward in her life, it must have taken some time because now we fast forward in Acts chapter 16 and her servants and her household have all been baptized in the gospel. They've all received the gospel. And it says that she talks to Paul and she says, come, you and your partners, you and your companions, you come and you stay with me when you plant this church. You stay with me when you minister here. I'm gonna open up my home to you. Isn't it awesome to see like a clear example of someone who is using the resources that God has given to glorify him. It says she insists that they come and stay and eat her food and, and you know, have refrigerator rights to her house. Like That's a big deal. Here's this businesswoman who's a clear example of someone who's participating in the mission of the Lord. She's actively involved in the ministry. And so Paul stays with her and she supports them by opening up her home by allowing them to come and stay, by allowing them to eat their food, and God uses her. That's partnership in the mission. That's participation in the mission. This is a powerful reminder, a powerful reminder for us that true joy arises when we go beyond being mere consumers of God's blessing and mere consumers of church to active co-laborers in his mission. Active participation is way more fulfilling than passive observation. That's why athletes have such a difficult time when they come to retirement. There's a lot of athletes that will barely even watch the sport that they devoted their entire life to. Why is that? It's because there's nothing like the joy of participation. There's nothing like the camaraderie developed among teammates, the way you come together as a team when you endure grueling practice after practice after practice, when you endure the ups and downs of a season. And even more than that, there's nothing like the thrill of participating on a team, on the field, united under a common goal. Are you missing out on the joy of participation because you're sitting passively on the sidelines of God's mission. Are you missing that joy this morning? Are you missing out on the joy of participation because you're just a casual observer every Sunday morning or maybe even online? Are you missing out on the joy of participation because you're afraid that if you get on the field, you're gonna mess up, that you don't have what it takes, that you're gonna look silly or you don't think God can use you? Are you missing out on the joy of participation he wants us involved, involved in the mission. And from that comes great joy. Now, I use the word joy instead of happiness very intentionally. Serving is not easy. You know, it's rewarding, but it's not easy. Being open-handed with your home and your time and your money requires sacrifice. It's costly. Sharing the gospel with someone brings the possibility of rejection. Happiness is temporary. It'll come and go based on the happenings around you. That's where the word comes from. But joy is this permanent contentment of heart uh, that comes from trusting in Christ. It's listed as a, a fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives that uh, is produced by abiding in Jesus and his purposes and from pursuing his glory. That's where we find joy, not happiness, but joy. So if you're struggling this morning, maybe you've Serve for a long time, but you just feel like you're, you're struggling. You're at the end of your rope that, that you don't see how you're being used at all in any way. Like, I, you know, I just, I just smile and open the door every Sunday. How's God going to use me? Know that God is using you 
to, to fulfill his mission and to, to give him glory. Have confidence in him this morning. Know that there's a deep contentment that can come from the fact that you're actively participating in the mission. Now, here's the question. Are you participating in God's mission? Not your mission, but God's mission. I ask that because if you're participating in your mission this morning, then you're going to find temporary happiness, maybe, but you'll never find joy. If you think the mission of the church is to meet all your needs and all your preferences and just be the perfect fit for you and your family, well, that's an empty pursuit because no church can be that for you. If you think the mission of the church is to make you feel good with incredible music and the most amazing preaching, well, then I'm sure at least you're disappointed in the preaching this morning. It's not a bad thing to have amazing music. We have an amazing team here. It's not a a bad thing to have amazing preaching. Pastor Don brings the word every single week, but there will always be someone doing it cooler or more dynamically or more that fits your preference, and so you'll never be joyful. You'll always just end up wandering from church to church, and you'll never feel connected if that's your mission. If you think the mission of the church is to help you find your best friends that will love you perfectly, then you're really going to be disappointed this morning because we got some weird people in here, (laughs) including myself. None of us can be that for you. You're going to be disappointed because people are going to let you down. These These are all good things. These are all great things, you know? But we'll never find can. Uh, contentment, we'll never find joy, we'll never find longevity in a church if those things become the main thing. What is the main thing then? What is the mission? Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I commanded you to do. That is the mission. Our participant patient in Christ's great commission is something worthy of ourselves devoting our life to. Whether you're a Lydia or whether you're a Paul, that's something that everyone is called to participate in. So how do you participate in the mission here at Gateway? I have 45 ways. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have six ways this morning that I'm just going to walk you through very, very quickly. One of the most overlooked ways you can be an active participant in the mission is through prayer. Have you noticed the number of times that Paul mentions prayer in Philippians chapter one? Every time he thinks of them, he's praying. It feels so good for a person to know you well enough that you feel connected to enough that they can even pray for you and do pray for you even when you haven't mentioned anything to pray for. And you know what? We, we pray for you too. We have an active team that every Sunday afternoon, you may not know this, every Sunday afternoon we have a prayer team that meets faithfully to pray for any prayer request you write on your Connect card, on the bottom of that card this morning. They are faithful every Sunday to lift you up. Why? Because they love you. They're partners with you in whatever God's doing in your life. Prayer is a huge part of partnership. And then serving, using your gifts to serve other people. That's what we're all called to whether it be just greeting on Sunday morning and, and showing up with a smile, whether it be leading a life group, whether it just be you know serving and, and, and just providing things like practical needs for someone. Serving is such a joy as we partner together in the gospel. Financial giving. I wasn't planning on talking about tithing this morning, but it comes up in this passage because Paul 
thanks the Philippian church multiple times in his letters for partnering with him financially. Even when other churches abandoned their giving, the Philippian church was faithful to partner with him through their finances. Even when it says in scripture that they didn't have much. There's such a joy in my life that, that just being faithful to just give even a little amount has brought so much blessing. I, I was thinking of this last week in our lake baptism services. Um, this week, we had 26 people at the lake being baptized, and then Don baptized two more this past weekend. So we had 28 people who represent just dramatic life change because of either someone and their family sharing the gospel with them or in the ministry they're a part of or God just moving in their life. And I thought to myself, you know what? I get to be a small part in each one of these stories, just through giving and being faithful to give, sharing the gospel or making an invitation to church. That's a way to be an active participant in the mission, opening up your home and being hospitable, giving up your time to just invite someone to coffee, mercy ministry. That's a ministry where maybe people are enduring something in their life where they have nothing to give, and you just step in that moment and show Christ's mercy to them by meeting some practical needs. That's a way to participate in the mission. The ways to participate are really endless. The joy comes in simply deciding to be an active participant. So jump in. Jump in somewhere. I need to say this to end our time this morning. I'm not trying to beat you up today. It may feel like it. You're like, Bart, quit. Quit punching. I'm not trying to say this to beat you up today. In fact, I want to encourage you as a people of Gateway for just one moment. I feel much like Paul does when he talks about the Philippian church. When I talk about you or I think about your partnership in the gospel, it just brings a smile to my face. I can relate to Paul when it says, it's right for me to think this way about you because I have you in my heart. I'm so blessed by partnering with you every single Sunday morning. I also can relate how he says, how deeply I miss you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, I wish I could love you with the affection of Christ Jesus, because that's a lot of love. That's a lot of care. But I hope I can get close, because I love you guys. As you um, serve, as you give generously, as you serve faithfully, as you open up your homes, as you lead groups, as you share the gospel at work, at school, and wherever God's planted you, as you make invites to come, the way you receive the gospel and receive the word every single week with open hearts, uh, the way you're a warm and welcoming church, I feel so confident that when someone visits Gateway, they're going to be welcomed. They're going to come into a warm atmosphere. And that's because every one of you is a part of the welcome team here at Gateway, and you do a fantastic job of it. It's an amazing encouragement to just, it just spurs me on in my ministry to see the way that you just care so selflessly for other people. But here's the deal. There's always a pull from the world away from this kind of mentality. There's always a pull from the world away from these kinds of things. Satan knows the best way to attack you in your spiritual life is to lead you away from the true gospel where you don't receive it or to disconnect you and isolate you from the body of Christ by making you think either you're too busy or you're just in a life stage or you just will never feel connected or He'll make you think that you're either not capable of making a difference or it doesn't matter if you participate in the mission. There is always a drift in our lives to isolation, you know, to passivity, to not jumping in and finding joy in that. So we got we to gotta talk about it. We got to be intentional about it. We got to spur one another on in it. So that's why I'm here this morning to not let you forget the joy of partnership 
the joy of participation. Don't follow the drift of culture that says you don't need people. You can do it on your own. Before you know it, you'll be drifted out to sea. I want to end with this one question. Our band's going to come up. This one question to help you apply what we talked about this morning. And it's simply this. What is your next best step when it comes to partnership? What's your next best step when it comes to partnership? Some of you, you might need to connect with Christ for the first time. Some of you, you need to commit to partnering with Gateway by becoming a member of the church. That's just another word for partnership. It's a formal way of what's already informally true, that you're a partner with us, that you're a part of the body of Christ here at Gateway. Some of you might need to join a life group or a discipleship group in the fall as we begin discipleship groups that will help you link arms with brothers and sisters that will encourage you and hold you accountable in your journey with Christ. Some of you might need to jump in and serve or connect with one of our ministries, whether it be kids or students or adults, wherever, and just actively participate so that they can help encourage you and partner with you in discipling your family. Or some of you maybe need to participate in the mission and discover the joy of serving or, or giving financially or praying for people. Whatever it is that God's called you to, don't miss out on the joy of partnership. Let's pray this morning.